In today's episode, I'm going to dive into some key experiences in my life that have influenced where I am today, who I've become, and how I have an understanding of a lot of things that people experience. But more importantly, I talk about how these things no longer define my identity. And it's come from all of the inner work. And the reason for giving you this extra layer of intro is to let you know if you have unresolved trauma around abandonment or someone in your life who meant something to you who committed suicide, then I want you to click off. I don't want you to listen. This episode is not a heavy episode, but it could resonate with certain things in your life. Um, And I just wanted to give you the opportunity to click off and not be surprised. Wealth, security, and opportunity are a byproduct of success. However, it often comes at the expense of deep personal satisfaction and happiness. This is the Design Your Destiny podcast, and I am your host, Penny Chason, board-certified hypnotist and number one international best-selling author. I work with the highly successful influencers, business leaders, corporate leaders who desire a life by design. In this podcast, I will bring to you succinct solo episodes and interviews that dissect the challenges of success and highlights the ways to leverage your most underutilized asset, your subconscious mind. If you desire peace and happiness in your life, better health and stronger relationships so you can enjoy the success that you have created, keep listening because this podcast is for you. Hey, hey, joyful souls. It's time for another episode of Design Your Destiny. Today, we're going to dive into what your life means for you. Now, I'm not sure exactly where this episode is going to go, how long it's going to be. So hopefully you're in the car or maybe you have a cup of tea, a cup of coffee just kind of settle in and let's go on a journey together because so many people want to walk away from their past. They don't want to think about it. They don't want to face it. But it's very much integral to who we are. It forms our perceptions. It forms our beliefs. It forms our sense of who we need to be and how we need to show up in the world to feel safe, secure, accepted, loved. And I thought today would be a great day to share a bit about my past because I've reached a point in my life where my past does not define me and my identity is not wrapped up in my past. My identity is that of someone who is here to help others truly know themselves, truly love themselves, 
and trust that it is safe for them to be who they want to be. Now, that's not why people reach out to me, but that is at the core of what can get in the way and create interference in us having exactly what we want. Take one of my past clients, for example, who has totally blown up her business in a very great and wonderful way. She had a business coach, right? And there was some imposter syndrome there. And there was this insight, and I'm not sharing with you anything that's not already public. There's a podcast interview that I, I did with her. Um, there, there was this part of her that she wanted to let go of, and that was a part of her that needed to be the fixer. And I see this often with people, need to be the fixer, be a people pleaser, be a high achiever to keep the peace, um, have parents who are super stressed, and we don't want to be a problem, so we stay out of the way, we fly under the radar, maybe we take responsibility for things that we didn't do because we have a brother or a sister who would catch the brunt of it if they did something wrong, but if we did something wrong because most of the time, everything we did was, you know, getting A's and doing sports and those kinds of things. Maybe we got away with things that, or we just simply didn't get yelled at when our siblings did. These things all shape how we make our decisions. And to just give you a little bit of insight into some of the things that have, that shaped my life in the path that I took and to also give you an example of how sometimes what we do is right the opposite of what you think um, we normally would do. Most people know my story. I've shared bits and pieces of it, of what happened in 2017, but I, I'm going to work up to that a little bit because what most people don't know about me is that I was adopted. And I wasn't adopted at birth. I was given up for adoption when I was two months old. My biological father was old enough to be my biological mother's father. She was 20 and he was 42. And um, they didn't stay in one place. This was back in 1971. So for those of you who were not in your 40s and 50s, this is probably going to sound a little foreign to you. Their job was literally, they worked for a company, they literally went from state to state, they would go from community to community, and they would drive door to door selling magazines. And that was how she met him, was applying for that job to go door to door selling magazines. And for me, knowing how 1970 was, I, I find it really intriguing that, um, you know, it, it was the whole time of, you know, liberation and free spirit, you know, post Woodstock um, that, you know, she felt the need to get out of town. 
And that was the job that, that she took. But also at that time, it was hard to, it was hard to find jobs. It was not an uh, economically uh, abundant time in terms of jobs here in the U.S. at that point in time. But anyway, they were going door to door selling magazines after I was born. I was born in Texas. They ended up here in Mississippi selling magazines door to door. And there was a stranger who was watching me Monday through Friday. And then something happened. And my biological father says to my biological mother, it's like, we have to give her up for adoption. We can't, we can't take care of her. And it's a really cool story. Talk about synchronicity, talk about the universe, talk about the right place, the right time. They happen to be driving through town and they saw a lawyer's office and they go in the lawyer's office and says, hey, we have a baby girl. We want to give up for adoption. Do you know anybody who wants a baby? And the lawyer is like, uh, actually, yeah, I do. <laughs> and called my mother and said, hey, do you still want a baby? And she says, well, yeah. He says, good, be at my office at six o'clock. I have you a baby. They had had, I think it was three, two or three prior connections to potentially adopt that that fell through. So that's how I came to be adopted. So when you understand what goes on with attachment and those types of things in those early years, when most people hear my story, they're like, how are you normal? <laughs> like, please define normal. But anyway, I was adopted by loving parents, had loving grandparents. But when I was seven, my parents, you know, they, they really didn't get along and on my seventh birthday, they told me that they were separating. So they threw me this huge birthday party, hoping to lessen the pain of telling me they weren't going to be together anymore. So my parents divorced. In, in today's society, there are so many divorced families. There are so many children of divorced families that I don't think we give it a second thought. But it's a huge impact it's a huge impact on a child to be a child of divorced parents. And not to say that people shouldn't get divorced, but I think that to witness really good communication, to know that there's no retribution, you know, if you want to spend time with one parent versus the other parent, it, it really, it, it takes a lot of responsibility for a parent to make that situation that scenario to be one that is nurturing and thriving where there's not any fear going on and as parents I mean I'm a parent I have three sons two of them from my husband's first marriage we we bring as, as parents we bring our experiences into our parenting situation and not every situation is ideal and I would never suggest that it is but these things are are impactful and my mother was married a few times and that impacted who i became because i had my own perception of why that was whether or not that perception is accurate is neither here nor there we each form our own perceptions and because there was a part of me, I understand now what I didn't understand then. There was a part of me so deeply that 
wanted to be in a relationship where I felt rooted and solid and that I didn't have to worry about moving and being uprooted and those kinds of things, relationships being fleeting, that I swung, that pendulum swung so far to the other side that when I got into a relationship right after I graduated high school and I fell in love, I entered this mental state of, oh, well, he's not perfect and I'll never find the perfect person. So I just have to learn to love and accept him for who he is. And what happened over a period of time was I ended up in this relationship where I was starting to be emotionally and mentally manipulated. And then it became emotional abuse. And there were subtle hints of threats. I, I was never physically hurt, but there were subtle hints of threats. And there was a part of me that was so independent and so strong that I finally came to a point where I, I'm, not, I'm not doing this, right? I'm not doing this. But what had happened before I even realized it was that I had really been cut off and isolated from my friends. And even though I still lived at home with my family, I had really disengaged uh, from my family. And the saving grace is that they didn't push me and they didn't hound me, but they let me know that they weren't happy. And what that did was that created a welcoming situation that when that relationship finally ended, I could go back to my family without judgment. And there were a lot of other things that happened there, but in that relationship, my self-esteem was destroyed. I put a good front on, on the outside. I was confident, like I ended up going to nursing school. That was when I decided to go to nursing school. People say, what's your path? What's your dharma? How did you know what you were meant to be? I had no clue. I had three aunts who were nurses. They made really good money. And my determination at that moment was that I would never put myself in a situation where I would have to be a dependent on a man for income so that if I ever ended up in another situation like that, I could confidently walk away and know I could take care of myself. So yeah, I went to nursing school. I was confident. I was an A student. I was kicking ass. But my self-esteem was destroyed. The things that I would say to myself were really harsh. And then I met my husband. Had no intention of having a relationship. And he was put in my path so that I could heal. And it took me many years. I didn't know what personal growth was. I didn't, I had seen Tony Robbins on TV and the videos, the DVDs or whatever that they used to sell. They probably still sell them live streaming now, but it's like, I really didn't get it. I didn't know what any of that stuff was, but I had a husband who loved me and who stood by me. And I remember the night he asked me to marry him. And I, I told him, I said, you have to know. And this is very public. So let's just say right now, I love my husband. I have no, no ill wills or intentions towards him. 
he woke me up at like two in the morning to propose to me. He just like had this moment and, and he woke me up to propose to me and I'm like half asleep. And I looked at him with one eyebrow cocked up and I said, okay, you want to marry me? It's till death do us part one way or the other. And so that was kind of the joke, but that was really truly the way I felt about a relationship. I did not want a relationship that was all over the place. And he was put in my path. Maybe I'm quite positive we had a soul contract to come in together to travel this journey together that he became the steady in my life so I could heal my self-esteem and to bring to that together. And every time... I would get this wild hair to go do something like go to anesthesia school. He supported it when just on a whim, I was like, you know what? I don't know what this Reiki stuff is, but I want to try it out. He was like, whatever. And he supported it. And that, that Reiki training was like my first exposure experience of what energy was. And I remember thinking, this is so bizarre sitting in that circle at that hospital I had never experienced Reiki. I chose to take the Reiki training because I had patients who were getting Reiki before anesthesia and they were so calm and they were so relaxed. They were taking less anesthesia. And I'm like, what is this? And I remember sitting in the circle, um, all of us there, there was a woman there who had had breast cancer and, and had had her survivor journey and her sister next to her and some other people, they've all experienced Reiki. They know the deal. And the instructor is to my left and we're sitting in a circle and we take each other's hands palm to palm. And she says, okay, Penny, go ahead and send your energy around the circle. And I'm sitting there going, what the fuck is this woman talking about? What is she talking about? And I'm like, okay. And I had no idea how to do it. I had no idea what to do. And she looks at me, she goes, are you sending it? And I'm like, I think so. <laughs> no idea. Anyway, but I, I wanted to experience more. I wanted to learn more. I did have an experience with energy that weekend. And that was just kind of like pulling the curtain back. It was like peeking. And, you know, I would practice once in a while. I didn't do Reiki on anyone. And then someone at the hospital found out that I knew Reiki. And she had a lot of friends who liked Reiki. So every time she had a friend who came into the hospital for a procedure, she'd be like, oh, Penny, they're going to request you for anesthesia. They want you to give Reiki while they're asleep and Reiki the room and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. I just didn't make it really public because the surgeons and the anesthesiologists would have been like really weirded out. But it, it has an amazing way of calming a room and we'll just leave it at that. And then I think you all know my story of how I got into hypnosis. Again, it was a nudge from the universe. It was like, you know, you really should check this hypnosis thing out. And it was a result of something that I came across in anesthesia. And when I took that training, I had an experience in that training that unequivocally, undeniably demonstrated to me the power of the mind, that moment, that is the defining moment that it was like, oh crap, 
this is really wild. People need to know how powerful their mind is. And what that experience was is the instructor called me up to be a volunteer the day that he was demonstrating glove analgesia. And if you've ever heard of people having hypnosis to go to the dentist, that's what glove analgesia is. Uh, he guided me into deep hypnosis and he gave me suggestions that the back of my hand would be numb. He numbed my hand through suggestion and then he clamped a surgical clamp shut on the back of my hand. I knew he was touching me and I also knew what he was doing because I'd seen the video on his website, but I chose to follow his instructions and to not get freaked out by it. And I didn't feel a thing. When he took that clamp off, the marks were on my skin for two and a half hours. Like when we finished up that morning and we went to lunch, everybody was looking at my hand going, oh my God, you still have these marks because everybody in the group, but one person was nurse anesthetist. I opened a practice. It was part-time in Connecticut. And then things happened with my parents and I ended up moving to my childhood home in Mississippi, closed my practice, uh, went back to anesthesia full-time because I had gone part-time in Connecticut. But during that period of time, I had a lot of grief, I had a lot of anger around things that happened with my stepmom's illness, my dad's illness. And because I was so head down and busy to take care of them, to work, to build my business, I never actually grieved. And I was never, ever able to deal with the anger because the anger was at my stepmom and the reason why the anger never got dealt with, there, there was this one defining moment that was intensely painful and brought about some intense anger. But as soon as it happened, I mean, I'm telling you, as soon as it happened, a split second later, I'm like, oh my God, that's not what she meant. She was trying to protect me, right? But my first impression triggered a visceral response of anger. I never dealt with it. And those things stayed pushed underneath the surface. And once I moved to Mississippi, I missed that hypnosis practice. Oh my God, I missed it so bad. And I became more and more frustrated day after day. The healthcare system was becoming more and more misaligned with my values to provide my best to people. The healthcare system was becoming more and more misaligned with that. So I wasn't feeling aligned with the circumstances I was given in which to provide care for people. I wasn't able to do my best because I wasn't given the resources to do my best. And I didn't have my hypnosis and I had all this anger. And I had all this grief and you can see how this was beginning to crescendo in my life. And when it crescendoed and it broke loose, it was bad. I did not recognize I had that high functioning depression and anxiety. And... I wanted to unalive myself. I had a trigger one day. I, I mean, an innocuous thing that any one of us experiences at any time, this innocuous trigger. And it was like the floodgates opened on all that emotion. You couldn't put it back in. And that experience and my healing from that experience through reaching out to my mentor and getting hypnosis sessions to work through that grief, that misperception and that anger and the guilt that I felt um, for choices that I had to make around my parents before they passed, um, that experience really 
transformed the way that I look at hypnosis. I mean, I knew hypnosis was powerful before, but I was looking at it from the perspective of weight loss and smoking and pain and IBS and those kinds of things. It really transformed my view and the potential. And in that process, I experienced such a deep love and acceptance for myself. I experienced such a peace within myself that that became what I wanted to give people. And as I relaunched that hypnosis practice and started to bring people in my world that I could look up to, that I could follow, that I could see what they were doing, that I could learn how to build a business because so much changed between 2015 and 2018. I mean, Facebook blew up, Instagram was blowing up. A lot had changed. And I had a lot of catching up to do as I rebuilt a business. It's those moments that have shaped my perception and my identity. And it was in late 2018 when I even became aware of the concept of what identity is and how identity and values are at the core of everything it is that we do. And as I began to do that work on myself in 2018 and 2019, I stayed in that coaching program. I continued to renew for 10 rounds of that coaching program because with each round, I was peeling back another layer and I was getting a deeper understanding and I was peeling back another layer. And that's why today, when it comes to my identity, did those things happen to me in the past? Yes, absolutely, they happened to me. They were things that had to happen to me so that I could learn very specific lessons so that I could have an understanding and a knowing of what people experience in their life experience. That's the degree that they play a role into my identity. Today, I am who I decide to be. I'm not who my past determines I should be. I don't um, operate my life. I don't make choices based on what I should do or what would be right for other people. I make choices based on what allows me to thrive. And then when I thrive, I am more available to do the things that I want to do for other people. And people are going to say that's selfish. There are things that you should do for this and you should do for that. Mm. I'm not saying that I don't do things for other people. I'm able to do them from the perspective that I want to do them instead of feeling like I have to do them. There is a huge difference. And it's a realization and an understanding that is, it, it, it took me a few years to come to really understand and to continue to embody the work and to check myself, if you will. Because, I mean, it's not a straight line. It's like riding waves. This journey that we're on, it's like riding waves. A lot of the work I've done has been through hypnosis. A lot of it's been through um, coaching. But most of it has been through self-reflection. The hypnosis did the heavy lifting. The coaching has helped me through the blind spots. 
but the day-to-day cultivating the consistency to look for, to learn, to look for, to learn, to be aware of blind spots, things that I might not see, attachments that I might not see, uh, expectations that I have that are really don't belong. That comes from self-reflection. It comes from that deep inner work. And by my choice, the growth of the business has been slower than it could have been. But that has been because I felt that I wanted certain things in place for me, for the business, and to minimize the ups and downs that we go through. I have friends who have told me, oh yeah, I was in business two, three years and I realized I what I was doing, I really didn't want to do. And so I just burned the whole thing down and started over. Well, I remember what it felt like to start. Sure as heck, don't ever want to start over. So I allowed myself the time for me to evolve for me to lean into who I am and to really know that, yes, this is it before I start growing and expanding the business. That doesn't look like that for everybody. It doesn't mean I'm right and you're wrong or you're right and I'm wrong. It just is what it is. But our journey, whatever that is, it it's a foundation of who we are until we do the inner work to unravel, untangle, dismantle any false perceptions, any behaviors that might be there that keep us playing small. If I were to tell you that wanting to be liked, that not wanting to be rejected never came into play in my life, I would be lying. It's taken a lot to get past these things. And I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for all of it because it allows me to see patterns, even if it's not exactly the same thing. It allows me to see patterns. It allows me to have a deep compassion and understanding. Now, it's not to ever sugarcoat what anyone experiences, but our experiences give us a a level of understanding of others. If we allow it, it can give us a level of compassion and the ability to be an example to other people and a way to show other people, if you're willing to share your story, a way to show other people what's possible for them. Because I remember when um, I had my incident in 2017, 
when I made it to the hospital that day to go to work, because my mind was set that if I could get to the hospital and if I, I could just get into the OR and be focused on a patient, I would be okay. I was addicted to busyness. I was numbing myself out, staying busy. So in my head, I was telling myself, if I can just get to the hospital, get my assignment, I'll be so focused on my patient and then I'll be okay. But when I pulled into the parking lot at the hospital that day, the thought that crossed my mind is if I just, if I could just get my hands on some propofol and fentanyl before anybody found, found me, it'd, it'd all be done. And that scared the crap out of me because I didn't want to unalive myself. And I know that's going to sound crazy, but the thoughts were becoming overpowering and there was a war being waged in my mind. The part of me that was in emotional pain wanted the emotional pain to end whatever we had to do to end it. The other part of me loved my life, loved my family. I remember when I came home one day and I was telling my husband, there had been a conversation at work that day, several nurse anesthetists. People knew I had been out for two or three days, but only two people knew what actually happened. So only two people who knew. Because when you're in the world of healthcare, in anesthesia, nurse practitioner, physician, physician assistant, pharmacist, when you're at the level that you have to be professionally credentialed, you have to sign affidavits that you are mentally able to perform your job. And this was a blip on my radar. But I told my husband, I said, yeah, there was this huge discussion and they were, they were talking about someone who had attempted to commit suicide. I said, and they were talking about how selfish it was and all of these things. I said, I felt compelled to tell him. And he just went white as a sheet. And he's like, you didn't. I said, yeah, they need to know. Like I used to have that same preconceived notion about suicide. Until I was in that moment, I did not realize how quickly you could be consumed and overcome with emotions that were so painful that that was the way you saw out. And it upset him. It worried him. He, he was afraid I wouldn't be able to get a job. But being able to sit in that room full of my peers and tell them what had happened that day, that was another level in my healing. And if what I said in that room that day made the difference in one person in their perception and how they look at emotional interactions with people that they love, then it served someone. And some people say, oh, Penny, you talk about this. It's so heavy. In the moment, yes. Yes, it was heavy. Yes, it was heavy. But it's a teachable moment of how important it is to address our emotions. They're not bad. I don't care if you do hypnosis or not. Maybe you want a counselor. Maybe you want a therapist. Maybe you want a coach. 
But it's important to give ourselves the grace to recognize that we have these moments and to allow ourselves the space to heal and to move on from them. To allow ourselves to embrace that understanding so that we can move into unconditional self-love and unconditional self-acceptance so that we can have that peace. And when we slow down, we can recognize that all the people around us, we never know who else might be in the situation that we've been in and that a kind word, a moment of understanding will change their lives. This is who I am. This is why I'm here. This is the reason I do what I do. This is my path. If this podcast episode... If it pulled back the curtain on something for you, if any part of it resonated with you, if you know someone that this episode might make a difference in their lives to be more loving, more compassionate to themselves, more accepting, or to understand something that they've experienced in their lives or a friend, please share this episode. Please share it. Please leave a review. If you're on the YouTube channel, share the link, follow, because we're all here for something much greater, and much greater doesn't mean a big house or an immense amount of wealth or a following of hundreds of thousands. Being here for so much more means not being caught in the 3D to spread that love, to spread connection, to raise the energy and the vibration of every one around us. Because when we raise our energy by extension, it's going to impact their energy, even if we don't directly interact with them. It's kind of the way it works. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. See you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Design Your Destiny. I would love to know what resonated most with you. So just take a screenshot of this episode, share it over on your Instagram stories and tag me at penny.chason and let me know what you thought. Also, if you head over to iTunes and you leave a positive review, it helps this podcast to help reach even more people making a difference elevating humanity and mankind.